uncut but morally corrupt, it's Forwards Backwards Podcast. Not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios. This week, we again provide a nuanced examination of Forward Madison, sure to please everyone who listens. As always, I'm joined by the Rob Bass, to my DJ Easy Rock, Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting. Dan Fallon is currently filming Grizzly Man 2 with Werner Herzog. Kyle, with Zach Steffen's howler at the weekend, do we need to worry that the USMT will call up Phil Brino or tempt coach Matt Glazer out of retirement to stand between the sticks for the men's national team in the World Cup 2022? I mean, I'm just saying, you got Stefan who isn't playing regularly as the number one and hasn't been that convincing even when he has played for the U.S. You've got Matt Turner, who's going to move to Arsenal, and he's not going to get that much playing time, plus who knows what this frostbite um, situation. It wasn't frostbite. It was a, a foot injury before uh-huh. that. They, they corrected that. All right. Corrected Either that. way, you have that. Ethan Holroth is not starting uh, at Nottingham Forest, and if they don't, if, if Poland gets uh, Gagas Solonina, I mean, they're going to need someone that's consistently playing as the number one on their respective team. That's where Phil Phil Brino, I I might be worried. Thankfully, by the time the 2022 World Cup comes, the four Madison season will have just completed. So we don't have to worry about losing him, you know, a la Greenville with Dallas J. In fact, I think if we're, if we're, you know, being smart, really what we should do is offer Phil Brino and Matt Glazer up to the men's national team because they're in off season. We want to keep them in mid season form say we qualify for the CONCACAF champions league you know we want them training right. and coming in in fresh right for this for the champions league so i think like we're gonna need some informed players by the time they go over to costa rica and plays you know a team there or trinidad yep yeah, exactly exactly so i think and and you know the weather in qatar will keep them keep them warm for uh you know those sorts of things so it's been a couple of weeks since we podcasted uh we won in the U.S. Open Cup midweek against Cincinnati. Um, I watched that game from the comfort of my couch um, and do not regret that. But as a result of that, we are going to play Minnesota United coming up. And Kyle, as a Minnesota United fan at the end of the podcast, we'll count on you to give us a couple of things to maybe watch for uh, going into that match, which is uh, Wednesday this week. Uh, should be exciting. Uh, and then, you know, we had a, a 2-2 draw with Omaha, which we won't go into in too much depth, though I will say, uh, do not let me complain about boringness with forward Madison today, because I need to remind myself last week at about the time of the forward Madison match, I was at the Misa Solemni from uh, Beethoven at the Madison Symphony Orchestra and choral symphonies, Kyle, not my jam. How's that sound? Um, I, you know, I was going to say like I did eventually because that night I was in lacrosse. I was not sober, so I could not give a fair analysis when I watched the game. Initially, I rewatched it. Yeah, I don't think we need to talk much more about it. It was it, a draw. It was a draw. Like is what it is. Could they have won? Sure. Could they have lost? Sure. Um, and, and so here's the other thing. I, I just want to briefly speak, you know, uh, after I hope everybody who celebrates had a wonderful Easter uh, Passover started as well Friday night. I hope, you, you know, you're having a, a blessed and sacred Passover. Um, but the the problem with the, the Misa no Solemni from Beethoven is it's 70 minutes. And, you know, I was raised in the Catholic tradition, and I was raised in a particular school of the Catholic tradition, which is you went to 
like the 11 o'clock mass because you knew the priest was going to go fast and get you through that thing because he knew he would have nobody showing up if on Sunday he kept people from missing the noon Packer kickoff. So people would show up because they knew priest is going to get us in and out of here in 35 minutes. So a 70 minute mass is just a touch long for me. It's not, it's not my gig. Yeah, I was I was more of the like you know with Christmas it was like you would go to the midnight mass. I always hated that because it was like those that like people are going to stay awake. Like they had made the choice. Like we are going to go, we are going to stay awake, and it is what it is. I'm not one of those people that will stay awake, so I always hated it. The eleven o'clock was actually for me the opposite. It was the nine o'clock because the nine o'clock one was the one where it's like okay, we need to like these are the people that want to get in and get out. Because they still have to like do their stuff for the Newman Packer game. The eleven o'clock was we don't care about the Newman Packer game. We'll we'll take our time. We don't care about the Newman Packer game. We are oh, here. Man. The nine o'clock was we need to get our stuff done so that we can make it by kickoff. The other the the great church service. You know my my grandparents were very religious. We would go up north in the summer, and uh, the great church service is is the summer vacation mass. Because you are in and out in about 24 minutes. I mean, they it's like they're speed reading through that. Um, it's like micro machines, man. Um, I, I just- will say the Caribbean, I came, we were visiting grandparents, uh, mass. No, no, that's that that is ultimately the worst because then they know we have special guests and everyone oh, wants man. to talk to you. And it's like, I don't want to, oh. no, I didn't want to be here, I could have been on a beach. <laughs> Yeah, they're just stretching that one out. Well, and, and you know, it, it also depends where I feel like masses in the south generally last longer. Like church services in the south just last longer because nobody's in a hurry. Nobody. It's like this languid style of life. Well, they no. they have their college football on Saturday. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, they don't Sunday. They don't care about Sunday. All oh, the only preoccupation we have is you know church. We got to go to church and then go to breakfast but we'll take our time mosing. You know, everybody gets dressed up for church. It takes too, too long. Tight, concise, northern church service is all I want. 35 minutes. I mean, of course, the last time I went to church, I think Reagan was president, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I, was um, say, I don't remember the last time for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, But, you know, if I have to go, make sure it's a 35-minute. Um, but the good news about the Beethoven, you know, uh, symphony... Uh, had a wonderful time, had great food at uh, Cento beforehand. Uh, there was a, a, a Hayden violin concerto that was fantastic. Just the main event left something to be lack, uh, you know, to be desired. So we go from there to, we played in Tucson uh, to a 1-1 draw on Saturday night, 9 o'clock. Were you able to stay up for the whole match? I actually was. I, I stayed up. For the match, I think it was more because I knew it was kind of one of those where it's like either I need to go to bed now and just wake up and watch it, or I'll just stay up. Like I can't try and watch a half. So I did join the flock zoom uh to keep myself engaged. I think if I had just like stayed at home and watched it by myself laying on a couch, I would have fallen asleep. So I knew I had to like go either to a watch party or join the virtual one just to make sure like I keep myself engaged. Yeah, I, I made it to the half and then Went, went to sleep. I had a friend in town. We went to dinner with my parents. So there may have been, as it's a pony was dinner, way too much alcohol consumed. Uh, watched the first half and then went upstairs, you know, to my room, put it on my TV and was out. 
Uh, although I have heard the announcer from the match say, you know, one thing that Matt Glazer really appreciates is the, the next man up attitude of the team three times uh, now because that took place in the 53rd, 52nd, 53rd minute. So I rewatched the second half and then went back and rewatched, you know, the whole game to about the 80th minute again, you know, to the goal basically again today. Um, Cause I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a completist really uh, what it comes down to. So our three key points today uh, that we have, and, and actually it's a, you know, kind of the, the points are, um, you know, a, a little bit mixed, but the, the first thing was the goal from for Madison Christian Enriquez, who I have been critical of in the past, but now in, I think his last four or five matches has two goals for the team. Uh, absolute belter on that, that drive. Um, an example of, we didn't really build anything up. We forced a good turnover and Enriquez took advantage of it. Anything else that you had there, you know, observation wise. And then I want to go from there to, you know, maybe looking at some other stuff relatedly. I love that goal. I keep telling myself I need to write about it because on when I was previewing the Tucson match, I said the best way to attack Tucson is to put pressure on their defenders and midfielders, not named Bedoya, when they have the ball. Because you can create good turnover opportunities. And lo and behold, they force Tucson. Like, Strang is able to kind of do kind of like a half pressure, forcing the pass from the center back out wide. The fullback then has it. He starts getting, and then he sees three guys. There's like three guys all around. You have Cassini's initially starts the press. So he's able to kind of get past Cassini, get the ball over to the next guy, where Andrew Wheeler Omeniu was right there, able to put pressure on him. That was great. Goes back to him. Cassini's able to put the pressure, kind of backs off, goes back to the other guy. AWO is able to get the ball, win it, go right to and, and falls to Enriquez's path where he has all the space in the world. Yeah. I was worried, like, that kind of shot. I was like, okay, maybe. Because earlier, Mitch Osman, I think in the first half, had all the space in the world. And he decided to just lash off from, like, 30-something yards. I was like, okay, yeah. that was not – probably shouldn't have done that. But Enriquez had all the space, gets a good look. He sees the keeper pretty much – in a vulnerable spot where you take that shot, you get it perfectly, perfectly placed it. It was just a very good goal. I think that is what I think Matt Glazer is hoping for Madison is able to do more often with going with this three in the back. You have more guys that are further up that can put more of the press on. And like I said, you had, you able to get it out wide and you had Cassini gets past Cassini. Sure. But then you still had two other guys that were right there. Plus, this you probably had a Mario or you know Jepson. You had someone else that was probably on the right wing, like wing back area, that could have easily put pressure. It just put Tucson in an uncomfortable spot, turned the ball over in a very good position for Ford Madison. And Ford Madison had done that in the first half as well, where they had the turnover that um I'm trying to think who had. I think Abdu had the chance that he just couldn't connect on. If he, he just couldn't get the connecting shot in the first half, that really good chance that fell to him. But that was also as a result of that press that Ford Mass was doing. So I think we're seeing, obviously, more. They've, they're getting more of an understanding. They're getting better fitness. And I think that allows them to kind of create those opportunities. And that's, what I think, what I like to see is it seems like they are actually, and we always said, like, can you give a shit? And it seemed yeah. like they were, they have so far been putting that pressure and giving a shit where, yeah, better teams could probably break through that press, but the teams that you can exploit 
That's what you, that is what you can create. Well, and uh, what I'll say is better teams are not generally, you know, look, if they try to press like crazy against Minnesota United, I'm pretty sure Minnesota United will pass around them fairly easily. Um, but we, you know, we're not playing against teams of that level. And I think our press could, could create those opportunities. Now you mentioned Strang's sort of role in that goal. And one of the substitutions was uh, at halftime, he came in for Mbake Jam, which uh, learned something new every day. I didn't know that his last name was pronounced Jam, but thank you, uh, Rob Chapel from our uh, uh, friends over at uh, talk and flock for, for uh, mentioning that um, Jam you know, was subbed, um, you know, he slipped on a, a pretty good chance created by, again, another kind of turnover there. Um, are, are you starting Jam or are you starting Strang in, in the number nine role? Have you, you know, Strang is, has his, his, you know, attributes. He did do a good job of the pressure there. W- which one would you go with? It's really tough because I feel as though the thing that's kind of, unfair to jump is I feel like when Ford Masters are creating more of their opportunities, it is in like later in the first half or in the second half. And I think that is more where the press is starting to be more effective while with Mbappe Jam, he's kind of more that target guy. He's kind of more the, he's going to get the ball, hold up the play. And you would hope that they were able to do more buildup to get him chances. Kind of like what we saw against Chattanooga. It's like, where he thrives is if you get in the ball in the box, he can, and he has a good enough look, he can strike the ball pretty well. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really get that as much in this Tucson match. Like they, they were getting the build up. So I, I don't know. Like, I think you go based off of form. That's where I think strength can come in, especially when you're going to go possibly against, you know, Boxall and some other of the Minnesota center backs where you're going to need, I guess the stuff. Cause like on the one hand, you want Mbakesham's more physicality, but Strang also has that as well. Like, they both have it. I think I can see Strang getting the start on Wednesday just because it's one of those where, you know, the guy, he is slightly, he is probably more in form uh, between the two, and then you still have Bartman that you can have under consideration as well. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, it's interesting because one of the things I've, you know, from a big-picture standpoint, you know, and we were talking about this a little bit before the pod, you know, because there's the the talk of Erling Holland. You know, rumors are circulating that he's signing for Man City, and we were we were kind of discussing. You know, Pep Guardiola does not often play with a number nine. He he never really truly had a, a number nine. He tried with uh, Eto, got rid of Eto. Tried with um, uh, Zlatan, got rid of Zlatan, and he ended up finding Messi, who is is really more of a a 9.5 is a 10 and a nine. And then, you, you know, we look at the, the club we like Liverpool don't really have a, a, a pure number nine. You look at the evolution of Harry Kane. He's not really a number nine anymore. And he's, you know, he's dropping deeper and you have the outside guys who end up creating a lot of the goals. He assists, he may be there to clean up a chance, uh, you know, on the end or on set pieces, that sort of thing, uh, you know, thinking of Kane here, so you wonder, you know, wh- what do we value more? Is it that presence in the box that, you know, um, Jam, Mbake Jam gives us? Or is it from Streng that ability to help everybody around him by pressing well, creating those chances? And that's one of those, you know, it's a, it's a deep philosophical decision. And it's one, it'll be interesting to see going forward 
what Coach Glazer ends up with, right? Is what what's the the purpose of that role? Because I think, and we talked about this in the Chattanooga match, Bartman as well is a guy that can has those qualities we associate with a number nine, right? The guy, the ability to pop up, put it in the back of the net when you need a goal, even when you're not playing well. Um, I also think you know it's interesting position wise they they played Audie Jepson up front in the f- first half on kind of the left hand side of the of the forward line he was a little bit deeper um uh, what I don't love about that is it takes Gebhardt out a little bit of that forward role where I think he's he's really good they have more as a wing back so it's interesting to see and then as well with Jepson he tends to tuck in more and play more as a, a midfielder if you look at where he's actually positioned on the field you know so it's it's kind of interesting to see how that how that develops. I mean, you know, if you look at as well, um, Bartman ended up playing pretty centrally and they end up playing with basically like a three, six, one, when you look at the, the kind of positional maps, uh, overall. So, you know, what are you looking for out of that? If you're playing with six in the midfield, then as well, Mbake Jam becomes important because he stretches and gives you more space. So it's, you know, and, and, you know, one of the, the other points I had kind of mentioned, uh, you know, in our three points was, um, you know, three, three matches, three draws. Right. And so I guess that leads this kind of discussion leads into this. Where are we heading? What are you, what are you seeing? You know, we've gone through the first three. Uh, I think we agreed that we wouldn't push the panic button until at least May. Um, you know, we'll still get overworked and upset about things, but, you know, as our promise to the listeners, we're going to provide a nuanced critique that everyone will appreciate. Um, how are you feeling here after three matches, three draws? I mean, we've done them both ways from behind and from ahead. I, you know, it's interesting because, and I don't remember who tweeted this at me. I think it was John Lowry, but he had said, these are games that they would have lost. Like all, like possibly other than the Tucson, these are all games that would have lost. And even the Tucson game, we'll talk about that. Why? But they probably don't equalize against Chattanooga late. They probably don't come, they probably don't equalize against Omaha. So it is kind of more of a, okay, well, you, you have shown that fight and you've shown that fight while not playing at your best. Tucson, I truly do believe, had they had all 11, they would have won that game. They would have seen that game out and won it. I truly do think they would have won if they didn't go down to 10 because they were not giving Tucson that many quality chances. And the quality chances were off the set pieces where Tucson is very dangerous. So I think I feel fine about it because like I said, I at least see, you can see what they're doing. You can see what the plan is. Now they are trying to get that press early. They're trying to initiate that press higher up the pitch. You can see it there. So I'm not concerned. And also, yeah, it's not Omaha of last year, but it is still a very good Chattanooga team on the road. It is still an Omaha team that is that was also their first league game. Ford Mass was on the third game of you know a week at that point. So yeah. a little bit tired legs. And then you have Tucson, who they're still I like I don't think Tucson is a playoff team, but they are a team that you can't just automatically think, you know, oh, we're gonna get three points. You know, it's not something that you can guarantee. So I think that's, I'm not worried yet. I think the next month, that's going to be a better idea because you, it, I don't want to say the schedule lightens up, but you have Fuego at home. You have more home matches. You're, it, depending on how Minnesota goes, you're probably not going to play, you know, three games in seven days, you know, back to back, like almost back to back weeks. 
Yeah. No, and, and, you know, so just from a statistical perspective, you know, at the end of the game, uh, Tucson ended up having more possession, which, as you know, 53% to 46 and a half. But I think if you watch that match in the first half, you know, forward had the, the lion's share of, of possession, really kind of ran the match there. And then if you look at in terms of attack, both teams had eight shots at the end of the game, again, playing 25 minutes um, without, uh, you know, an extra guy. And, and so that actually leads into our, our third point, which is red cards are not rad. Um, so uh, I thought he got a second yellow for the late challenge uh, there. Um, you know, for those who didn't see it, Cyrus Rad, you know, ball played in the air, uh, the trap goes about seven yards away from him. Um, it was not the first, well, and I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. It goes for it, uh, apparently, uh, you know, clips the guy, but apparently the yellow card was not for, according to Rob Chappell, who got some sort of uh, clarification somewhere that the red card was not for um, the, the fact that uh, he kicked the guy, which he did, and I thought was a clear yellow. People were like, well, it was a 50-50. It was not a 50-50. That guy was through and on and upward with that challenge. Um, but that it sounds like the yellow was for descent, which would have been his second descent yellow card in the match, um, which, you know, not, not a great look. He, you know, uh, also apparently, you know, caused some stadium damage exiting the, the pitch afterwards. So, um Thoughts on the red card first, Kyle, if, you know, you, we were talking about it and, you know, everybody who watched it thought, yeah, that's a second yellow. You know, I think if we slow it down, you can talk yourself into anything, but. I, yeah, I mean, I had no problem with it being a yellow regardless because it was a late challenge. He, he, I wouldn't say it was 50, 50, it was probably like 70, 30. <laughs> so you have that into consideration. It's more the, especially with how that ref was giving away yellow cards, like contact was definitely a concern that was happening. But it's the kicking the ball after when you've already been carded yeah. for time wasting. And why are you time wasting in the 34th minute in the first place? I don't know. I apologize. Nil nil match. Yeah. Sterling's got questions as well, I guess. But yeah, it's the why are you time wasting in the 34th minute when it's 0 0? I mean, I'm not going to, uh, yeah, if that's, that's what Sterling's my Sterling's upset about, I'm not yeah. going to disagree with Sterling there. That doesn't make sense to me. That, I don't understand why you're doing that. And so then when you have that yellow card already, and the ref is not the most consistent in terms of the physicality that's happening, you also, you have a late challenge. You poorly trapped the ball. Okay, fine. And if that was what the yellow card would have been, again, I would have been totally fine with it because it is a yellow card offense, and that would have been a second. Yeah, but then you kick the ball after. It's like, why did you do that? Yeah, yeah. And it I, was again. Had had he not gotten sent off, I do think Ford Madison would have won that game. And so it's just one of those where you see the youngness come in, you see the inexperience, and you're kind of like, uh, that that is unfortunate. So I think that's kind of the frustrating part. Is I, I have no issue with it being like this is not one of those where you're sitting there like, okay, that seems a little harsh. It's like no. He he had a yellow card for time wasting the first half. Yep. You can't get a second yellow card, whether it is for a super late challenge or kicking the ball or descent when you're already on that yellow. Yep. Um, so, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, 
you know, I, I thought, oh, yeah, for sure, Red. First of all, very high challenge after he lost that ball. Like, that's a, you know, your studs are up there. So you're walking a thin line even, you know, if it is a 50-50 ball, which it was not. Um, the, the you know, so, so you go there, you know, and, and uh, not to um, call out our loyal listeners, but you were on the, the Zoom call. And uh, one David Magnus said something about how he was really growing to trust a certain Cyrus Rad Rod. Uh, I'm not sure how we pronounce it anymore. I don't know, you know, anything. Apparently anymore. it's Rod. So, uh, you know, okay. I guess we've been saying it incorrectly for the last year and a half. Well, we've missed so many phallic jokes with it being pronounced Rod that I'm, you know, kind of disappointed in ourselves. Because as one David Magnus said as well, to redeem himself after saying, you know, I'm really beginning to trust him. Uh, he gave us the shaft, Mr. Rod there with that dumb challenge. So, um, you know, but one of the reasons why I go back and, and watch the matches is that you want to, if something big happens, you want to see our things leading up to it. You know, if there's a particular goal that happens, you know, what's, are there patterns of play that you see earlier that, Oh yeah, forward was really trying to do that or that sort of thing, and I, I watched a little more atten- attentively uh, on Rod. So you know, there's a lot of confirmation bias at work in watching this, but it was not his first sloppy trap of the match. You watch his footwork off the ball um, when he's defending on the far post, and if you remember, you know he conceded a goal against Richmond last year, kind of on the far post where the ball kind of slipped by him, and the the Leeds league's all time. Uh, Leading scorer knocked it into the back of the net. Um, he, you watch Eric Leonard off the ball. You watch Osman off the ball. There, there's a certain amount of preparation in, in their footwork and so on. You did not see that. You do not see that with Rod off the ball. And, and he looks very flat-footed. He looks very inattentive. So, you know, it's really easy to pile on a guy after he gets a dumb red card. Um, but this is something we've been saying for a while, I would say. Um, so it, it's a little bit frustrating. Uh, they brought in then, so it took him a little bit of time, right? Because he got that, um, you know, red card in the 63rd minute and they didn't make, uh, subs until the 73rd and 74th minute, which is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure Neil was busy adjusting his eyewear and picking out some new kicks, you know, at that point. Uh, you know, he wanted some 10 men shoes to match his outfit, but um, they end up subbing off Gebhardt um, and Jepsen and they brought on Suko and Murillo, um, which I think Murillo's a pretty good player. It also, I, I thought somebody who stepped up in that late stretch was uh, Maldonado. I thought I was pretty impressed with him in the, in the late second half. And I think you're absolutely right. I might've made some differing adjustments you know, um, you ended up with with two at the base more of the midfield. You could have even gone three deeper. Cassini tends to drift a little bit more than a lot of the other midfielders because that's kind of his role. So maybe they're hoping that drifting would provide a, a link. But like you said, even with 10 men, they didn't create any chances. And the, the frustration has to be for the coaching staff. Like they, they have to feel like, yeah, even with 10 men, we, we held them we got them. And then you get in that situation where, you know, if you're down to 10 men, you do not want to concede with off the set piece. You're like, we cannot concede off the set piece, you know, because 
10 men, 11 men, set piece defending is kind of the same there, right? You're getting everybody back there. And so that's got to be frustrating in some sense, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think it's also frustrating because, you know, you, Bruno gets the save, which gets to the corner. You get, you clear it initially. You get the first clearance, which, all right, good. Again, Tucson, very dangerous. But then the issue is you don't have, because you need one person getting the near post. You need someone else covering the far post. You have to have people that, and obviously you got to have people at the box. You got to have people, but this is where the 10 men, there's a slight difference between having 10 and 11 is you don't have that late run. And that's what happened with that goal is it wasn't the initial corner. It was after it got cleared, you're trying to reset, you're trying to scramble. And then they put in another cross and that's when crawl is basically able to just come in unmarked because you don't have that extra person. That's where it hurt them. They did, they did as well as you can. Again, not too bad. All things considered, they weren't allowing point blank chances with 10 men, which you would expect would happen for more of the open play when you're down to 10. That's when more of the space gets exposed. That's when it's a little bit harder to try and connect your attack. It was just that I, I think it was one of those where had Ford Madison just gotten it cleared out a little bit differently. I think they escape with that. And who knows, maybe they do hold on with 10 and hell, they almost got a winner late. Like they had yeah. good chances. Eric Leonard had a shot late that just went wide. Um, Cassini has that shot get deflected. Strang has that header. Like they had, they did have the yeah. chances near the end, but I think that's where, you know, that's where the margins come in where, you know, again, at that, at that clearance had just gone a little bit differently. Maybe they were able to reset, but because it went right to the guy and they were able to re-put in another cross, it just fell. Well, and that's the other thing too, you know, yes. uh, You know, I said defending is the same. There is also the difference that in, you know, with, with 11, you know, you usually have an outlet, right. That you can aim that clearance to who can interfere with that cross, who can do a lot of things. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's obviously a little different. It's just, you know, when you look back at it, you're like, you know, that should have been the situation we have under control. Damn it. Yeah. Um, you know, when, you know, 10 versus 11, you know, when you're in the open field, yeah, you want to get your tactics, you know, you bring guys behind the ball, you um, do all that defending, you know, you're like, okay, we should have this right. You know, we, the same guy should be doing very similar things. You just don't have the outlet and you know, that, is what kicks you there. Right. So it's a little bit of a frustration. I think um, in that situation down to 10 men, you probably wanted Streng up top. Um, He seems to be, you know, a little more flexible than just a pure target man, like uh, Mbake Jam is. So that worked out fairly well back to our, our our initial point. So, um, you know, I know uh, Sterling and Desmond are getting ready for dinner. I I think they're uh, looking at you with, (laughs) with hunger in, in their eyes. Why are you podcasting and not feeding me dad? Um, so want to get a quick preview of some things, you know, maybe a couple of points folks should look for as they head out to Bree Stevens on Wednesday night for the big first ever MLS, uh, you know, competitive team uh, comes to uh, Bree Stevens uh, matchup. Uh, will Adrian Heath actually show up this time or, Will he just send out an Adrian Heath lookalike? I, you know, knowing him, who knows? Who knows? I would say Minnesota's been interesting because they lost to Seattle, which, again, losing Seattle at home, whatever, it's Seattle. But then they lose to Austin. 
Well, right. Seattle couldn't come through against my the bane of my existence, Inter Miami. Yeah, so, I mean, I how do you lose the full level? Right. There's also that, but then they lose to Austin, and it's like okay, whatever. And then they beat Colorado. Colorado went down to ten men as well. Um, so then Minnesota is kind of able to take advantage of that. How they go about it? I know Adrian needs to talk about. Oh, we're gonna, you know, it's gonna be a different lineup. Blah 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 blah. It's like okay, you're still probably going to play some notable guys. Like you're still probably going to play a Ja'Cory Hayes or a Brent Coleman, a Boo Dunlady, Adrian Honu, like guys that are consistently played in MLS. Tyler we're gonna Miller. Probably, we're going to see the return of Dan Sinclair un- undoubtedly. I, d- yeah, I mean, he might be on the bench, but I feel like this is the game where, you know, Tyler Miller starts, but like Minnesota is definitely going to be, I, I don't know because a lot of their play flows so much through Emmanuel Reynoso. I doubt he starts so maybe this is your chance to kind of take advantage of that uh, how many of the guys are that are starting i don't fully know but i think a lot of it is going to be focused on watch like the guys out wide and robin laud and franco frangapan they're kind of the ones where they're gonna co- that's where most of the goals and most of the threats are probably going to come from um and then whoever plays up top whether it is and uh, don laud is someone that also could go out wide so i think if if Ford Madison makes sure to try and keep things through the middle, I do think they have that ability to kind of keep Minnesota shut it out. Now, when they're with Ford Madison's going in the attack, that I'm kind of curious to see how they go about it because I would say what other side Michael Boxel is on, go to the opposite side. Um, don't try and take him on. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. So go to the other side of the defense. Um, and if they play Sonny Dotson at fullback, you might be able to exploit the space. I think go. I think trying to get the space out wide is going to be important for Ford Madison. So basically, it's the wings on both sides. If Ford Madison can handle Minnesota's attacking wings, they'll be okay. And if Ford Madison is able to kind of try and get a little bit of space on the wings or exploit some of the space that might be available and be a little bit patient, um, then they'll have that ability. Will we see uh, Kervin Ariaga, or will we see his... <laughs> His second version, Kervin Ariaga two. That's a, two. that's a that's a that's <laughs> a Simpsons joke uh, for those of you playing at home. Uh, going back to the famous Simpsons soccer episode. Uh, so uh, Sterling has encouraged me to say the following: uh, forwards, not backwards; upwards, not forwards; and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. 